Hey everybody, welcome back to the Cast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Tyler. Yes, he is. Alright, so... Uh, At least I think so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> what is this? Is this a podcast? Oh my god, what is this? I don't even remember. How are we supposed to do this? Right? It's been like three and a half weeks... The last, uh, the last one we did was at the beginning of November, um, so yeah, yeah, it's been a bit. So I made a small little recording for the audio feed uh, a couple weeks ago before Thanksgiving, letting people kind of know what was going on and why we were taking a little bit of a break. So uh, we're back and better than ever. And um, one of us here, I'm not gonna say who, Tyler, uh, has made some big changes in his life. And uh, not of the good kind. Tyler, what have you been doing in the world of open source this week? Or this last couple weeks? Um, Gaming on the Steam Deck is the only thing that's inside of open source that I've been doing. Um, And not even that much. Because I've been much more productive here lately. And by productive, I mean like I've done a lot more to make money on the computer. Like uh, I freelance with some clients and do like uh i've been doing video editing for a while now um for uh another guy and i've also been doing a lot of like social media management bullshit which it does involve facebook which thank god i'm getting paid because otherwise this shit would not happen um you did you get six 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 um, tattooed somewhere on your body the last three weeks. I'm just, <laughs> um, if I stay on Facebook for long, it'll happen. <laughs> like it's terrible, but, um, I m- mainly what I've been up to for the past couple of weeks has been, um, uh, I, well, I guess I, I should start this off with store. I'll be short here, but kind of be a little story based. So I had issues with my big, desktop computer um i've been wanting to start doing more game development uh in my spare time and i've started doing that um and i had major issues on linux because i use unity primarily um i've messed around with the others like unreal engine 5 and stuff but i really like unity i i like c sharp uh just because i've always used it um that's where I started learning game development. But on Linux, Unity is just, it's riddled with problems. Like, it, it's just very unreliable. You can get it to work, and you can use it on Linux, but it is hyper-unreliable. Um, and so, uh, because of that, I went ahead and went over to Windows, where I know it's reliable, so I can do that stuff when I want to. And then Windows started crapping out, which is... No surprise to anybody um, at all. So uh, I decided that if literally Linux, and I've tried a majority of Linux distros, Unity is unreliable on all of them. Um, And so I decided instead of trying to go do finesse some weird way and act, by the way, I also did try to fix the issues I was having with Windows. Uh, Windows would sleep even though every setting on the system told it not to sleep. And um, I also tried fixing that with about 15 different ways. None of them worked. It was very upsetting. Um, Then after I did this switch that I'll talk about here in a second, I was told that there is a fix for it, but you have to redo registry files. Fuck Windows, man. It's, I, 
I hate Windows. It's terrible. I, I don't think I'm going to piss anybody off with that statement there. But I did decide that if nothing's really working, my sister wanted to get a new um, a, a new computer, and she was really kind of she didn't like um, Mac OS at all, and she had a rose gold MacBook Air M1 with eight gigabytes, and so I decided I would go ahead and give it a shot to see if I could use it and to see if it would be better for the game development stuff. And it was, um, it is phenomenal. Um, I have, I can actually pick up the device. Like, that's actually pretty cool. I didn't even think about that. So I have the MacBook here, uh, and I am like using it for the podcast. Um, I've got chat loaded up right now, but it's phenomenal. Um, it's incredible. It, it, it performs insane. I can sit on the couch and do game development and get about 120 FPS, uh, in a, in a game scene. That's not got a ton of stuff going on. It's, it's got a decent amount of stuff, but not a lot. Um, so yeah, six hours on the couch doing game development and getting good frame rates. It's really nice. Um, and then I kind of decided to go ahead and just go full in just to give it a try. And so I got an, uh, an iPhone 14 Pro Max because I was available for an upgrade. And it was only going to be $10 more a month to get this. So I was like, yeah, sure, let's go ahead with it. It's been awesome. Like, I am full in on the Apple ecosystem. So what I'm hearing here like is, is that you've become an Apple fanboy. Like, no, I, because I've taken, hold on, I'm going to stop Okay. I take three weeks off and you abandon Tux for a moldy apple is what I'm hearing. <laughs> that moldy apple is a productivity machine. Like it is great. Um, I, I mean, like, look, it's not perfect. Like, I don't know if it was before we started recording the podcast or um, in the pre-show, but um, I'm pretty sure I talked about it. Like spotlight doesn't really work for me. Um, it, it works, but like the shortcut for it doesn't work and it's just it's slow. So I, there's aspects of Mac OS that are not great, but for me in my use case, it's been, it's been rock solid. Like, very reliable, extremely reliable, actually. Um, and also there's there's a really good added benefit with being able to just respond to calls and texts and stuff on, on the laptop. Like, it's really nice. Um, and pretty much the only complaint I have with it is um, the fact that the MacBook M1 um, Air... It's so slim that it does thermal throttle after a while, um, but not bad. Like, it still performs well. It's just, it does get warm, especially when I'm doing stuff in Unity and, like, play testing for, like, 10 or 15 minutes. Um, but I've also found out that, like, if I set a tiny fan just next to the laptop while it's going, it's fine. Like, it never thermal throttles. So, it's like, literally a $5, like, Amazon fan fixes everything. So 
I don't know. It's been great. It's been great. I, I, I still, I still will go ahead and say this because this needs to be said. So no one, I'm sure people are saying it in the comments. I haven't been reading. You don't want to read them. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm You're sure. getting roasted. They're expensive. They're expensive as shit. Like all of their computers are super expensive and probably not worth it for most people. And also the features that I am really enjoying probably aren't necessary for anybody. Probably aren't necessary for me either, but they're really nice. All right, just anyway. Sean, yeah. that that sticker that comes with the Apple stuff is not a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> I I could just imagine oh putting them on there like a <laughs> Actually, I did. I, I saw I saw this in the comment. Uh, so s- someone said at least it's Unix like. Um, that is one thing that I will say about the Mac that's kind of been cool. Um, I haven't spent almost any time messing around with a terminal at all, but it uses ESH by default. And um, I ins- I did install Homebrew, um, like the package manager. Um, it's it's been really nice. Like I installed LSD uh, or LS Deluxe, which is what I use for like you know, LSing in the terminal. It's great. Yeah. Um, I've installed a few different terminal applications and also themed my terminal to be Capuchin because I fucking love that color scheme. And I mean, the terminal experience on on Mac is very, very similar to Linux. Okay, so I have a couple, um, I have a couple questions for you. Um, first of all, mm-hmm. um, well, not well, actually just one question, but one thing to say first they make window tiling window managers for mac you should try those out i want i want an in-depth detailed um overview of the window manager situation on Mac because they have a couple of them they always look really cool on unix porn so give those a try second of all have you tried so when they announced the m1 stuff uh, like two years ago they announced this virtualization app it's basically like you know parallels on steroids but for the m1 have you tried virtualizing Linux in it? I just want to know how how is that if you tried it. Uh, I haven't tried it at all. Um, mainly just because I've just I've just been treating this like um, like when I switched over and I was starting to like it and everything. I decided that I would treat this like a business machine and try to maximize like how much money I could make off of my machine, which is going well. Um, but I, I haven't really been messing around with anything like terminal based or, or not terminal based, um, like Linuxy based. But I will say, based off of it just emulating other 64 like bit applications, most likely it would it, it would run a virtual Linux environment pretty damn well. Um, I have no idea about gaming inside of it. I'm gonna assume that's gonna be a problem, but for the most part, it's been it's been really, really performant emulating apps that aren't natively built for the Apple yeah. Silicon. So it'd be cool if you could try, try that and cool. give you something to talk about on the podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I think I, I think I'll probably try out the Tiling Window Managers because I've had uh, I've had one other person bring that up with me, and they do. I have looked at a couple pictures. I have no. I, there was one that I saw that was like it was gorgeous. It was just it was beautiful. But I have no idea what it was named. I'm gonna to have to go back through Reddit and find it. Oh but, yeah, I don't. I yeah, don't. I, I'll definitely do that. I don't. It's like Aqua or I, I don't know, actually. Um, 
But yeah, I've seen those, and they always look really nice. All right, so moving on to me. I, me, you know, since that's my channel, I have to. I don't have to stick with Linux, but I am gonna stick with Linux because I'm a. Mm. Uh, Tyler went in, like three weeks and he grew up. Like he, he's making money on his on his off time now. Like what what happened, man? <laughs> um, it's okay. It's good. I don't to, know. Like you've become mature. It's it's not good <laughs> it's not good i know i know terrible <laughs> it's horrible what, how dare you grow up you're like only 30 years old um mm -hmm. all right so i me i have installed void linux and i'm regretting every moment of my life since so first of all it has very if little you had said otherwise i would have called you a liar but the thing is is like okay void itself is not bad and i made a video about it where i talked about the problems that I had. I never once said that Void was bad. Um, I, I said that it was a process. It was kind of like Arch. You had to build it from the ground up and you have to do step one, step step two and three and four and do all this stuff in order to get the things to run properly. And it's true. It's just the way you, it's the process. It's the way Void works. And the shit I have gotten for that video and for the things that I've said on Mastodon about Void we think that the Arch fanboys are bad. The Void crew is just... Wow. They are very, very <laughs> attached to Void Linux. Like, it is their god. And, and if you say anything against Void, you are Satan. <laughs> like, it is really there's bad. A reason, there's a reason I refer to the small, like, handful of the people in my Discord who use Void as the Void Gate. Because they roll through and they fire shots at anybody who doesn't like void or who hints at like maybe void isn't the right choice for somebody they roll through yeah. like i have it's a game i've like, banned more people from my channel comments in the last three days than i have in the entire two years i've been doing youtube it's it's nuts because like i don't mind people disagreeing with me like you can disagree with me all you want i don't care I, in fact i enjoy when people have different opinions but if you get mean start actually bullying people <laughs> then you're gonna get banned. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mm -hmm. um it turns out I'm not, obviously generalizing is bad because there's I'm sure there's many many lovely void users out there, but the vocal ones there are, are kind are. of assholes. Um yeah. yeah. So uh, void Linux users don't be assholes. Your your operating system's not that much better than all the rest of them. In fact, I'd say it's not any better than all the rest of them. It's just a Linux distribution. Uh. It's not anything to write home about. It's fine. It works well. It requires a lot of work, uh, but, you know. Did it, you have problems with the installation? No, the installation actually went really well. Surprisingly, well, I only had to install it one time. I thought I, I thought about midway through, because it doesn't do a very good job in the, all right, so I, I'll, I'll say this. I did not find the part in the documentation where it tells you how to partition stuff and the proper way of doing UEFI and stuff like that. I didn't find it, so I had to wing it. Um, and I winged it, and it worked fine. I cannot imagine what would have happened if I decided I wanted to do Butterfest subvolumes, which I thought about doing. Um, that would have been a, a mess. But yeah, the um, about midway through, I was like, God, this, there's no way, no way in hell this thing is going to get past Grub. Um, but it did. It worked fine. Um, I, I still have a problem with the display manager, but apparently that's a debus problem, and I can fix it easily. But I haven't gotten to it yet. But yeah, it's uh, the, the operating system itself is is okay. It took a, it, you know, it's kind of like Gen 2. When you install Gen 2, uh, you'll get a running system 
fairly easily because you you you'll you go through the document the the wiki or whatever and you get to the point where you have a loadable system but then there's a whole bunch of steps after that where you have to install all of your stuff and all of the stuff that makes your stuff work like, you know dbus and uh, ntfs 3g in order to use ntfs stuff you know you got to do all this stuff after you install gen 2 same thing with arch and it's the same thing with gen 2 uh there's nothing wrong with it it's just after Wait, do, you, do you mean it's the same thing with void yeah i mean void yeah um okay. same thing with void um the thing is is that i've been using fedora now for five months and fedora works right out of the box you don't gotta do that shit, shit you know it just works um at least for me i mean it didn't work for you but you, you are uh, the cursed of i mean linux uh, no. tux has taken a crap on you, <laughs> you apparently. It, well, it, it's not really like look i will give it to linux it is not really linux's fault like a lot of my a lot of my preferred applications primarily being unity they're just they're just massive applications that it's not an os fault yeah it's primarily it's made by a massive company that just really doesn't care that much about linux i mean they care enough to at least make a binary but yeah past that support wise some somebody in the in in the chat keeps saying void is so fast i've heard that many many times void is fast but guys i use fedora my computer is not slow I've, I, Wait, I I think you need to read his full message because his full message <laughs> is void is so fast it doesn't stay on my computer. <laughs> yeah, that, I saw that one too. Somebody else before that said that void was fast. I was like, I've heard that many times in the comments over the last three or four days. Like, like the reason why I use void is because it's faster than every other Linux distribution. Maybe on older hardware that's exactly true, but on modern hardware I can't tell the difference between one distribution and the next. They're all super fast. Um, even yeah. if it's running GNOME these days, it runs fast, you know, mm-hmm. so. But I, I, I also will say, I think there probably is some credence to Void being much faster than other Linux distros in areas. Maybe because, like, the last time I tried installing Void, I don't know if they were just having a bad month or some shit, but I tried for a while with Josh to get it installed, and even though I could detect my Ethernet controller and like my Ethernet port, I couldn't get Wi-Fi or or Ethernet working on it. So they probably have a very minimal install that just like as long as you don't put a whole bunch of crap on top of it, even on like uh, talking for more slower devices, even on a pretty pretty old device, it probably is really fast. Yogurt coat, but. Yogurt Colum, I'm uh, yogurt Colombi- <laughs> Colombiano. I don't know. Sorry, man, mispronounce pronounce your name, yogurt. Uh, but maybe it's the boot time that they're talking about because I run it. But the thing is, is like if if, if you time the difference between a system D startup time and a and a run it startup time, is it going to save you five seconds? Sure, maybe, maybe it's ten seconds. But even but even if it's ten seconds, it's ten seconds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, what, like, yeah, like, what are we talking about? I mean, I'm, like, how I, often are you turning off and back on your computer? I'm the least impatient person in the world. Even I can wait that extra 10 seconds for System D. So, and, and I said this yeah. in the video. If the reason f- that people praise Void so much is because it doesn't use System D, I'm going to be very disappointed. There has to be something else. 
Because, the, I mean, mm-hmm. there are 30 other distros out there that don't use system D. I mean, you've got DevOne and MX and all these other distros out there. They they use varying different init systems. And they're all varying levels of good. And they, But the, the thing is, like, I've heard so much about how amazing Void is. I need to find that other thing. If it's just the init system, I'm going to be so disappointed at the end of it. Cause, I mean, yeah. At that, I mean, yeah. Who cares, right? I mean, it just. I mean, we. I I will go ahead and say this because we do have to give Run It some credit. Run It is a really good <laughs> init system. Like, it may not be for everyone, but it is a it is a really good init system. It's just for me, I think a big issue with Run It and why I'm not very interested in it like almost at all is just because there's a lot of software that just doesn't work with it like a lot a lot yeah Um, like i have a a rofi power script for you know and that will work because run it shuts your computer down differently than systemd does you know so that doesn't work so and there's a lot of little things like that it's it's annoying um but the argument between systemd and all of the other in its systems is a story for another day. So, moving on to the contact. Good lord, excuse me. Moving on to the contact information. Where uh, gotta remember, I've taken three weeks off from this, so I don't remember how to do it. Um, it's just gonna be like a complete noob thing again. I, I'm not good at it after I've had some practice with it, but now probably won't have any, you know, at all anyway. So, anyways, you can subscribe to all of our stuff. You can find past episodes, blog posts, a link to all of our a shout out for our patrons, a link to the store, a link to Tyler's stuff, everything at the linuxcast.org, which is the website. It's the primary place where the show lives on the internet and it's done very well. Thank you, yours. It's very, very, a very well done website. Uh, you can subscribe to Tyler, who's on YouTube. I mean, he's technically on YouTube. Uh, the boy doesn't know Don't how post. to like, like he doesn't know how <laughs> to make videos anymore. I'm pretty sure he just completely forgot. Maybe it's just the fact that when or you can't make a non-Apple uh, YouTube video on an Apple product. You know, he's just going to have to become one of those Apple YouTubers. You know, do I, I will go ahead and say this for everyone on my channel. Okay, look, you are not going to start getting inundated with Mac OS videos. It's definitely going to happen. Anyways, uh, <laughs> youtube.com slash zanyog. He's also on Odyssey. He has a Discord channel. All those links will be found at the linuxcast.org slash contact, which is where all these links could possibly be found. Uh, and you can subscribe to the YouTube channel of the LinuxCast at youtube.com slash the LinuxCast. Uh, and I'd appreciate it if you did that because we do awesome things here on the channel. I make video, you know, at one point I could say I made videos every single day of the week, but I've taken nine days off in the month of December or in, in December or good Lord. I said it wrong twice in a row, <laughs> November. <laughs> and that's like a record for me. So, um, surprisingly, uh, mostly four days off but i'm gonna get back into it anyways i i, I won't be tyler and just disappear for months on end i'm <laughs> i gotta give him shit I, I mean i will say this i have taken breaks before but never like this like never like i i've disappeared for like a week or two and not post anything but like i've just gone radio silent on my youtube for like a bit he's too being too so. busy being product 
productive on his MacBook. Like, all you, dude, all you do got to do is get yourself a turtleneck and you'd be like Steve Jobs. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> get yourself some chinos and you just go, just go along. All right. Uh, thank you to the Linux Tube for the super chat. Appreciate it. Glad, glad you like to listen to us. It's appreciative. All right. So moving on to the main part of the show where we talk about the week's links news. Now, just a little proviso here. The links that you're about to see are how shall we say uh the most breaking news you'll ever see they're definitely not from three weeks ago that definitely is not the way that that we left them in there uh technically that's true about a couple of them okay a couple of them have been brand new but uh some of them are still things that i I wanted to talk about them so we're going to talk about them so let's go ahead and move on so tyler your first news link of the week i mean it wouldn't it it wouldn't be uh, an episode of the Linux cast with me on it if it didn't involve uh, Steam in some capacity. Probably a Steam Deck, but you know we, we'll get to that. Um, so the first article that I've got is Steam on Chromebook is now in beta, um, and I this is an article that like I just we probably will go down a rabbit hole with. So I tried to make sure the other ones that I picked out are not rabbit hole conversation pieces. But so this whole article is talking about how um, you're going to be able to have Steam running on a Chromebook and it has AM, uh, AMD support, which like, okay, like, I, I mean... But don't most Chromebooks don't, really, use, don't most Chromebooks use Intel processors? Yeah, like Intel Atoms like, or some not, shit. Well, even like even like the the, the high end ones that you could, first of all, if you spend a thousand dollars on a Chromebook, what is wrong with oh you? Oh my god! Um, great hardware, but you should put Linux on it or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, I can't even defend that. Like for a thousand dollars, I guarantee you, you can find a better piece of hardware other than a Chromebook. Um, guarantee. Yeah. Like, anyways, that, that, that yeah. we're not judging. We, we are judging you. Um, just a little bit. <laughs> we are just, 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 just a little a bit. <laughs> we, we, nobody could see us because we're not on camera right now, but we both held up our fingers like a little bit. <laughs> uh, um, any, anyways, the the thing about this is is i don't understand like even the the high end like laptops or chromebooks use intel processors i don't know that i've ever seen an amd chromebook i'm sure they exist but everyone yeah. that i've ever looked at uses an intel an intel uh processor but this oh. it, it it says that it supports 12th gen core cpus but that that's that's oh. Yeah, like, what are we talking? Also, too, can we can we just acknowledge this single fact for a second? I I barely know people with Chromebooks, but I do know a few, and I've never, ever in my entire time of knowing them with a Chromebook have ever heard them go, "I wish I could play games on this thing." Okay, so I agree yeah. with you. I've never heard anybody say that either. But then I'm not, I'm not friends with many 14 year olds. Okay. Uh, first of all, <laughs> of it'd be a little weird. I was, I was in his 30s. <laughs> okay, I mean, it just be, it just be a little weird. But uh, the the thing is, is that Chromebooks are huge in schools, right? And 
kids like yeah. gaming. So putting gaming on their Chromebooks is a win for Google because it would allow kids who are being indoctrinated into that ecosystem to realize that they can use a Chromebook not only after they're done in school, but once they're, you know, throughout their entire lives because they can play games on it. And that's what a lot of people associate computers with. Now, the thing is, is that Steve, Valve has done a fantastic job of making Steam and non-native games play on systems that they weren't meant for. So the prime example of this obviously is the Steam Deck. So the thing is, is that at a certain point that even that magic that Steam seems to have found and Valve seems to have found is going to go away. Like there's, there's only so much they can do. There's You cannot tell me that a Atom processor is ever going to run Destiny 2. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's not without exploding. <laughs> like I'd expect that thing to set fire like a Galaxy Note 7. You know? <laughs> it's just like... like um, so that can't that can't be the play here. And the thing is, it's like most of the Chromebooks that I know of that are going to kids in school are very low end. I'm talking like two hundred fifty, three hundred dollar laptops mm -hmm. that run Celeron processors, maybe i3 processors, but that won't apply to this because this only applies to the brand new Intel CPUs from a you know the i3 up. Most Chromebooks don't use those well, because they're and even the AMD ones are so rare. Well, that, well, like even even say the AMD stuff becomes more popular, they're still gonna AMD and Intel need to make money on those things, and they're not gonna sell anything yeah. for two or three hundred dollars. Not that's a one of their brand name uh, high end processors. Those are in the eight or nine hundred dollar laptops. Like you can't even get a mm -hmm. Windows laptop with an i3 in it for sub five hundred bucks. I mean, I don't think so. No. So, I mean... Well, and, and even the Ryzen chips that they would put in these lower-end Chromebooks, yeah. they're still going to be crap for gaming. Yeah. Like, they might be able to run Minecraft at a decent frame rate, but, like, for most things, no. And you made me think about this, because you brought it up, it's a win for Google, but I don't... I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, and I, I do agree there... Uh, but I think there's another aspect to this that makes it a little bit more complicated. I mean, for Chromebooks, as far as I know, the largest like sources uh, that purchase Chromebooks are the schools themselves. Because like if you're trying to equip, you know, a a mobile computer lab or a, a computer lab in a school, uh, and you want to fill it with computers, I mean, there's literally no cheaper route than going with Chromebooks or you know, like one of the desk Chromebooks. Well, then you can set, you can give each kid their own laptop, let them take it home, and if they destroy it, which they fucking will, because they're little yep. hellions, what is the school out? They're out two hundred fifty dollars, you know, and a lot of the schools have insurance on these things and stuff like that, so they can get them replaced really simply and really cheaply. Um, but if you give them an iPad, which is five hundred dollars, you know, <laughs> it's a lot. No. You know, it's a lot but more expensive. The way I was thinking about it is, is this is probably going to be something that might negatively impact schools purchasing them because i think a big a big plus over not over just the price of the device is the fact that well if if you're going to give students you know chromebooks the advantage is is it can really only be used for productivity and like schoolwork 
Yeah. It, there's not much else it can be used for. And if you, again, I know, I know our point still stands that no matter what, a $250 Chromebook is not going to run games well. But if kids are able to just install Steam and run some basic, like, you know, um, Hollow Knight or something like that, and, and play some nice 2D games during school, that's a problem. And well, I, 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 mean, they I don't ha- know. I, Google has created pretty good, from what I know and what I've read, uh, pretty good mobile device management. So schools could make it so that kids can't install Steam on their Chromebooks. So that's possible. Um, really, this is going to mostly impact people who buy Chromebooks for themselves, uh, for their kids, because I've heard stories about this that you know they get the they, the school gives them a little crappy Chromebook that's like two hundred dollars, and the rich kid parents don't like the fact that they're using a crappy Chromebook, so they go out and buy them a thousand dollar Samsung Samsung Chromebook Pro X galaxy chromebook thing and it's you know it's a thousand dollars because they want them to have a nice one right and and that happens more often than you think so it's going to be those guys that don't have the the mobile device management stuff on there that's going to put steam on and stuff and obviously there's going to be a lot of schools out there because let's just face it the it departments in schools probably not all that great in in a lot of cases uh so they might even uh, actually someone in chat made the comment that there's no disadvantage for uh, i i i assume he's talking about particularly for schools um disadvantage to steam supporting it because the chromebooks are managed kids won't be able to install steam if the school doesn't want it um trust me there was a lot of things that the school didn't want me doing on the computer that I did throughout high school outside of a firewall. All right. So when I got to remember, I went to school 20 years ago, so it's been a bit, (laughs) um, and the internet was just really getting started at that point, just becoming, you know, mainstream. But even then the biggest thing that their IT department did was just have a firewall in there. So you couldn't watch porn. You know, that was the biggest thing. And I've mm-hmm. talked to, like, my nieces and nephews that were much more closer to school than I am. And basically, that's still the same thing. They have a firewall on there that you that keeps you from going to sites you shouldn't go to. But other than that, it's not that big, you know, it's not that well managed. But I'm, it's going to be very, it's going to be varied. The bigger school districts are going to have a bigger IT department. If you live in Port Ankai, yeah. they probably have one dude, maybe even not even that, you know, maybe they probably even <laughs> hire somebody out for their, their IT department. So, but that's, you know, all that yeah. beside the point, the, you're right. This is going to be a, a, a rabbit hole. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, I knew it would be, so, I knew it would. <laughs> so let's talk about this from the other perspective. Let's just say that they do this, like the, like the, they, a whole bunch of ki- kids and people who use Chromebooks put steam on their laptops or their Chromebooks, and, you know, they launch up into Steam, and they download uh, CSGO, you know, and they want to play CSGO, because CSGO is, like, the application that a lot of people want to play, or the game that everybody wants to play, right? Um, or, you know, Red Dead Redemption, or Grand Theft Auto, or whatever. And they have this experience that is just so bad. What if that's their... <laughs> what, is, what if that's their first... Uh, experience playing games on a non-windows pc like that's going brought to brought up a damn good point that, that's going to give them such a horrible experience on a non-windows pc that it's going to stick like if anybody even mentions hey you you know you could use windows you could use a steam deck 
um, like, oh no, it, unless it runs Windows, I know it doesn't game very well because I've tried it on a Chromebook. Uh, before we move on, I gotta go all the way back here. Uh, I saw a super chat. I think it was from Dark Zero. Yeah, uh, Zero Linux official. You guys cracked me up. Thank you for making Linux news fun to listen to. You nerds. Did you just call us nerds? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm insulted. Thanks for the super chat. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> 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 How d- Somebody who can't read sarcasm will totally be like, what? Why is he getting upset at a super chat? How dare you call me nerds, you nerd? <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm just kind of split on whether or not this is a good idea or not, to be truthful. Um, but I think from a Google perspective, it's a win because even if few people actually use this, um, they can still say that they have Steam on Chrome OS. For Valve, I'm not sure that this is a win or not. I mean, yeah, more devices that can play Steam games, but it's really going to depend on how well it plays Steam games. Plus, the processors, as we said, the processors that they're talking about here aren't the most popular Chromebook processors. Um, and no. isn't there now if they came along and said Steam's going to be on the Celeron processors? I might even buy a Chromebook just to try it out because that'd be uh, – maybe it'll keep me warm in the winter, you know, because it's going to be so hot. <laughs> Definitely. I don't know, man. Like I just – when it comes to this whole Chromebook thing, like I think it's a good thing for Valve because there's, there's more devices and more places that people could purchase a game from. But also, like I think it's kind of like – it's kind of like the worst kind of tease that you could give a consumer. Like, he, here you go. You can purchase all of these fantastic games. Oh, but by the way, like, if you want to have a good experience, you can really only buy, like, 1% of what we've got. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, they, they made Steam play really well on the Steam Deck. But that's a custom processor that was built for very them. Very custom. Right? These are processors that they took out of the bin and are basically cast off and they're they're meant to be lower end processors right so it's gonna i, I don't know it's gonna depend i don't foresee a future where steam or, or chrome os is like a big player when it comes to the steam hardware server but i could be wrong also he's gonna make me read his name it burns when i pee thank you for the super chat i really appreciate <laughs> that <laughs> and we are both nerds I, I was just messing with dark zero he he, he knows that we're both nerds um Obviously, I, I I think everyone knows at this point. I'm a bigger nerd because I use Linux. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I mean, if that's the criteria we're going to use. You win by a country mile there, good sir. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next one, which is my first one. And um, we're going to go to Fedora 38. So Fedora 37 was just released, and it is awesome. It is so good. But we're moving on to the next one, Fedora 38, which will come out, I believe, in like April or May-ish, I think, next year. I'm pretty sure that's around their release date. It might have a Sway spin, which is really cool. So I've been using Sway uh, off and on on various machines for like the last um, month and a half or so since Josh challenged me. And Sway's pretty good. Um, I'm still not sure I understand why Wayland exists, but Sway itself is pretty good because it's basically just i3. Um, and I love i3, so Sway is good. And uh, Fedora 38 may come with a Sway ISO, which is a – I think it's a win for Sway. Um, because let's just be honest about it. 
there are no other wind demanders out there that are really playing in the Wayland space right now. Qtile has a Wayland Ooh. version. Um, I'm pretty sure nobody uses it. I'm very few people use it. I mean, there's gonna be that one dude in the in the chat that's oh I use Wayland Qtile, but vast majority of people are still using the Xorg version. Um, other than that, there's not that many like prime time Wayland window managers. Now, I know what y'all thinking, Matt. What about Hyperland? What about River? Those are very, very, still very small user bases, okay? Maybe someday they'll grow up and being mainstream. But right now, Sway is like it um, when it comes to mainstream Wayland-based window managers. So uh, good on... Wayland-based window managers that also do not have problems with a lot of software. Yeah. Like well, River and, is one that I know and, that definitely struggles with that. Sway has done this thing where... They've done a good job of creating the documentation in such a way where they've listed all, all the alternatives that you're going to need. They have one page there that tells you, hey, these things don't work very well on Wayland. Here are alternatives for those things, things like Rofi and uh, DMenu and uh, you know screenshot tools, things to set wallpapers, all this stuff. They have this whole list of things that you'll need, and that's really nice that they've put that together. Um, it works really well. So I, I've been enjoying Sway. I don't think that I'd install this spin be simply because I'd much prefer to have something that runs Xorg by default and then Wayland like on top of it, like together. Like if I wanted to switch between them, I could, which is the way I have it right now. Uh, but uh, it's good that that ISO is going to exist. I'm happy about that. Um, I'm not really happy about it, but I am happy that people who enjoy Sway are getting Fedora with it just set up for them out of the box. That's nice. I'm a Fedora fanboy. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, like, look, I, I got to be honest. Fedora is one of the best Linux distros, in my opinion. Um, surprisingly, because I, I genuinely never thought that I would think Fedora is, is like, really up there. Because it, it is a testing ground for Red Hat. But it's phenomenal, man. Like, it is... It is a very modern and sleek distro. It's it's very good. And honestly, like I think the the only thing about Fedora that could be improved is their selection of spins and also they kind of also do need to do a little bit more work with their spins in making them seem more um, official. Like they're obviously official spins, yeah, they, but they do kind of bury them. But I think that's because yeah, I think it's yeah. because they don't want them to. Comp I don't think that they want them to compete with the main workstation ISO. Um, it, they've kind of done a Debian where they've buried a lot of their ISOs, um, yeah. and they have that yeah. one main one on the on the front page. If you want the spins, you have to go kind of many layers deep. Um, I agree with that. Um, but I don't think that, that, that they care all that much. They, they want that workstation yeah. one to be the ISO. And if you are knowledgeable enough about Fedora to know that the spins exist, you can hunt those out. Um, it's yeah. it's not like Debian where they buried the ISO that everyone absolutely has to use. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the the – I, I don't think that they're, they'll ever change that. I, they, so they're redoing their installer, and I've made a video on this. They're, they're redoing the Anaconda installer, and it's okay. Um, it's basically like three steps. It's, it's the simplest installer you've ever seen. It's very it's more modern than the one we have now, but they, it's still very, very simple. Um, and I made a video about this too, but I would love to see them somehow incorporate the spins inside of that. Um, like 
maybe like an advanced mode or something like that where you could choose to spin right from the installer. They're never going to do it. I know they're never going to do it. But I, for me personally, I'd love to see that where you download one ISO and it's like a net install. You can just choose the spin you want to install and it will download that particular spin and go. Um, other than having 12 different ISOs that, you know, you have to choose from. But that's just yeah. – that's me personally. So I don't I don't think that they'll ever do that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Fedora and Sway come, coming hope. soon. We can hope. Yeah. All right, so Tyler, what's your next one? Uh, the next one I've got, uh, and please don't kick me off the podcast for this, but it's a Steam Deck article. <laughs> um, not going to go nearly as in-depth as the last one, but Steam Deck pushed Linux to the highest share on Steam in years. And that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Um, I mean, it's their own product, and they're selling out the wazoo right now. Mm-hmm. And almost nobody's putting Windows on them, like, if we're being honest. Like, look... I'm a guy who's very finicky, and if I can get like you know more stuff working on on a device, I w- I will switch over most of the time. But with the Steam Deck, like the OS is so good, and the game compatibility is so good, there's really not any reason to jump through hurdles and put uh, what we can pretty much all agree is a subpar OS on it to get more games that use services that, uh, you know, shit on you, uh, easy anti-cheat. That's what I'm talking about. But yeah, there's no real reason to go over and do that. So it makes sense that people are getting these devices and it's going up. The, uh, like the percentage has gone up about like, I think it's like 8%, like over just like what? Like half a year, like seven or eight percent. Yeah, it's it's rose almost eight percent since the last time they did the survey. It's now up to twenty, almost twenty five percent total, uh, which is the second largest behind other. Um, yeah, and I will say it, it is most likely going to keep going up by a large portion because I know a handful of people that are waiting to get their steam decks. I know more people that are waiting till after the game awards, because if you don't know this, uh, public service announcement for everybody here, uh, watching, if you want a steam deck, you can sign up. Steam is giving away a 512 gigabyte steam deck every minute to a random viewer during the game awards. So if you want to get a steam deck and you want to get a free one, watch the game awards and sign up. Um, I don't have a link to share with anybody. I would do that if I had it handy. Um, but yeah, you can go sign up and maybe win a free steam deck. So I, I, I literally know five people who are ready to order the steam deck, but going to wait to see if they can get one for free during game awards. Yeah. Um, so that percentage is just going to keep going on up. Just great. I still haven't bought a steam deck and I still don't think that I will. It has nothing to do with this. I, I don't blame you. It, it's still, it has nothing to do with the Steam Deck. I'm sure it's wonderful. I just, I'm not a gamer. Um, and, and the one game that I play wouldn't work very well on it. Like, it would run probably f- perfectly fine, but City Skylines is something that you need a mouse and keyboard for. And I have a computer for that, you know? Um, so, it's not, it's really yeah. not anything that's in my wheelhouse right now. Um, I pro- probably when they come out, if they see, here's the thing is that I, I, I'm very worried because this is Valve we're talking about and they've never come out with a sequel ever um, in terms of hardware. Like there wasn't a, 
uh, uh, gamepad 2 there wasn't any of the you know steam boxes 2 or uh, the index has been around for like four years still hasn't seen a sequel um, so I, I, I'm very worried that there's not going to be a second one they said that they're working on it um, but I don't trust them all that much when it comes to actually making a, a second version of something um, so uh, that's that's also been in the back of my mind. Like, is this thing still going to be... I mean, they do a pretty good job of supporting their hardware for a long time. But are they going to continue to work on it? And I don't know if that's true or not. So, yeah. No. We'll, we'll we'll see. Maybe I'll get... If, if a second one does come out, maybe I'll get the second one. I don't know. Maybe it'll make me a new gamer. And, and, well, and also, like, I think kind of the biggest thing about the Steam Deck is, like, a lot of it's... Like, it's got a lot of cool factors if you're if you're not gaming on it, but the majority of, of the cool factor is being able to take games that you shouldn't be able to just play like, you know, on high settings on a handheld device and just walk away from the computer. That's like one of the biggest cool factors to it. And for you, I don't really see you using that. So I don't really know if it'd even be a good product for you, but I will say I hope they that, that they do come out with a second version and i do hope you end up getting it mainly because i i think it would be interesting to see you do a review on a product that you 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 don't necessarily need or anything but you've waited and seen the reaction through all of the you know first generation device and now you get to see the new one like how how did they improve like you know did like did you really did you really miss out any on not getting the first one? Yeah. I think that would be a great piece of content. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. We, they got to come out with a second one first. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, I mean it. It it really only gets troubling when you need to count to three with that. I know. That's the problem. <laughs> I know. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that's a half that's a half life jo- half life joke. Um, um, yeah. That's those jokes honestly don't have a half life. They just keep getting funnier. <laughs> Um, that was bad, man. It's horrible. All right, moving on. So here, here we enter into the part of the podcast where I'm going to lose about half of you because the vast majority of you guys don't give a crap about Twitter. And this was much bigger news three weeks ago when I put these links in the show notes. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Twitter. So there are two links in the show notes about Twitter. I'm not even going to show them on screen. We don't need to, to really talk about the articles themselves. But and, and t- Tyler, you're not you're not and probably never have been a Twitter user, right? Have you ever ever even had Turns it? out, actually, interesting question. I thought I had never been a Twitter user, but when I got the MacBook, I went ahead and did Dashlane and like just went ahead and like used a password manager because I needed it and secured up a lot of my accounts. Mm-hmm. And I checked in on Twitter and it turns out I do have a Twitter. Um, I have no idea. Like I just signed in, changed the password and everything and secured it. But it's not like I did anything with it. It's not like I checked up. I have no idea what I've ever posted to Twitter. And I'm kind of a little scared to even check because oh. knowing me, like this account is probably from like when I was like 16 or something. Oh, we so got no telling. We got to know, man. <laughs> <laughs> there could be horrible shit on my Twitter. Like I have no idea. Um, that would, but that it's would surprising. Make I actually an have excellent some. video. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should do that. That would be great. Thank you. I'll, like you I'll just, do that. Like, like it'd be an awesome video. I'd watch that live. It'd be so good. Um. Any, anyways, Elon has bought Twitter. 
no one really cares anymore that he bought Twitter because it's it's really is old news. We don't need to talk about too much about the purpose of life. He's driving it into the ground. It's like watching a car crash. It's fascinating. Even if you don't use Twitter, watching him make all these fast-paced changes is just very fascinating. If you're reading about any of this stuff, you probably had a really good time. Um, and, and it's really weird. It's really bifurcated the twitter audience so there's half of them that are elon fans and think that he's going to save the platform either they got banned or they just left because they didn't really care for it because of the politics and whatever don't care so there's mm-hmm. the, there's that group that have all come flocking back to twitter and have uh flocking back to twitter did you get <laughs> that was the bird joke yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyways you know they've all come back to twitter and they're all using it and they're singing its praises and then there's the other half of the internet that thinks that this is a disaster to match every other disaster that's ever happened on the internet and they're all flocking away from twitter as fast as possible and moving on to things like mastodon which is good and moving it on to hive social i don't know if you've heard about hive social tyler i have no clue what it is either but i've been reading about it and apparently their security is so bad they had to shut the entire service down because there is such a massive security hole that anybody could waltz in and take all their data like every bit of their data, <laughs> and the thing is that the the com- the, the, re- the security company that found that data um, and alerted them privately so that they could fix it before they released it public, like you know a good security research firm should do. And uh, Hive Social did nothing about it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there, there's the thing that I want to talk about that relates to open source because most people, like I said, on this channel do not give a rat's ass about Twitter. Um, what I wanted to instead talk about that relates to open source software is the benefits that this has had for the Fediverse. Now, I hate that word. The Fediverse is a horrible word. We should not use it because it confuses the fuck out of everybody. But this whole idea of federated social media was a pipe dream just like a month and a half ago. At least that's it's, when Elon bought Twitter or if, if, Everyone flocked to Mastodon. I keep using that word. Um, and they've grown like by millions of new users. <laughs> and it's nuts. And not only has it helped to bring Mastodon to the forefront, but things like PeerTube and Matrix and uh, PixelFed and stuff like that, they people have started paying attention to this more, this idea of a community-controlled social media experience. And it has been good. So I w- I've been on Mastodon for well over a year, uh, but my account now has been there since April in fa- on Fostodon. And uh, when I first signed up for it in April, didn't use it. Um, but now it's really, really good. Like, yeah, they still have some like moderation problems and that stuff will get sorted out. But I've had more legitimate, real world, great conversations on Mastodon than I ever did on Twitter. Um, it's just been so good. Like the the people on there are just, you know, granted, just like with Twitter, it really does depend on who you follow. If you follow a whole bunch of assholes, you're going to interact with a lot of assholes. Um, if you follow a lot of really weird like hashtags, you know, you're going to have a problem with that. But if you follow the people who tweet and toot things that you are interested in, it was very good. So, um, yeah, uh, Mastodon is winning. It's really good. Um, I think it. I I just think it's hilarious that like Twitter is a place that we actually pull a lot of like news from like, uh, like Twitter is like, because it's gone from a social media platform to like a, 
like a this is where your news comes from place, which is like insane. Like, I don't know if you know this or not, but like a multiple news networks have pulled and like done entire pieces based solely off of stuff on Twitter Twitter posts and feeds like that's wild to me. Like that's that's like that's like your local news news channel deciding to do a piece on Linux and like they pull all of the information uh off like for Linux Mint off of like what people are saying on Mastodon. No, no, it'd like, be more like they pull all their information off from Linux Mint based on one video they watched by this guy called the Linux Cast, and he like really didn't like <laughs> Linux Mint, so that, that's that's their, that's their basis for for everything on their news thing. That'd be hilarious. Uh, okay, um, but yeah, uh, like okay. I don't want to get so there are people in the chat talking about how I'll just give Elon you know a few few minutes he'll he'll turn around. I don't really want to get into that because people's view on Elon is he's so polarizing. Some people think he's like yeah. the the he, like the basis for Tony Stark, right? He he's this genius mm-hmm. or whatever. He's a genius, right? Like he's he's the best thing ever. He's going to save humanity. Some people think that. Other people think he's like the devil reincarnated right he's he's really really bad and you know personally i don't have any i i like watching the dumpster fire that's about all my opinion comes in on elon i don't know whether or not he's really smart i don't know if he's really dumb and just happens to have a lot of money um i could i can see both and also i i think it's funny that people get so upset and like invested in this kind of stuff like all right, look, let's be honest. Most of us, probably all of us, don't have Teslas. So you're not invested in, like, him as a person and his company. And also, like, who gives a shit about Twitter? Like, all right, like, let's be honest. For one, if you're going to fight, like, with someone else or bicker over, like, your opinions on a person with another person, like... It's the same thing as bickering about a piece of cheese with someone else. Yeah. It's like, yeah, your your opinions might differ and you could argue about it, but you shouldn't, like, at all. And also, if Twitter dies, who the fuck cares? Like, look, I know there's a lot of people that have jobs at Twitter, like, and people losing their jobs is never a good thing, but they'll find new jobs and some other social media app will become what Twitter was. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. In Twitter's defense, just a little bit, there are people who rely on it for actual important things. Like, people who are in countries where the freedom of speech thing is not really a thing, being able to be on Twitter and get news and stuff like that in some form or fashion is important. But also, we go back to the whole thing, is if you're getting news off from Twitter, you have some issues because... Yeah, it, it, it's like getting all of your news from cousin Ricky at the Thanksgiving table. Like that guy, <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay, and and everyone knows it, but there's that. You, you, but Grandma really likes Ricky, right? And mm-hmm. she believes everything he says because he's just the little, he's just the apple of her eye, and she'll believe everything he says even though he knows nothing what he's talking about. That's Twitter. In a nutshell, most people on there have no clue what they're talking about, and even and even if you follow a legitimate news source on Twitter, 
I mean, you you really got to pay attention to what you're reading and do your own fact checking as much as possible. That's always been the case, but it, it seems to be something that people like. I, I guess Twitter should just be the thing that brings like a topic or situation to your attention. It should not be what educates. Yeah, it shouldn't be about a subject. It shouldn't be, if everything you know about global warming came from a 250 character tweet, you probably don't know anything about global warming. You know, whatever they're calling it these days. You know? But just that. I mean, honestly. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, first of all, um, the the point the point I was trying to talk about is just that Mastodon and the federated social media sphere now has more attention on it than ever before, more users than ever before. And as they get into Mastodon, they're looking at other things. And Tyler, this is where I wanted to try and kind of transition. You and I have tried Matrix a couple times. We've tried to download Element to do this thing. And it is bad. Like, it is bad. Uh, like, we've tried, no. we've tried at least twice, probably three times, to try this. Because we, we wanted to get away from Discord, because Discord is terrible (laughs) it's so bad it's so it's a it's a piece of crap like but that's the problem like everything else is also a piece of crap it's a bigger piece of crap at least yeah discord is a shiny piece of crap the rest of them just haven't been shined yet right (laughs) the the way that i like to put it is at least discord puts sprinkles on their pile (laughs) yes you know it's like like that moment in one of the american pie movies where um stifler eats the dog crap (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right um we, we we've we don't need to talk about twitter anymore i i just wanted i just wanted to mention it because i think mastodon is still really good follow me on mastodon or fostodon fostodon.org slash at the linux cast is where you can find me it's amazing and i tweet about all sorts of things there i keep saying tweet it's called toot yeah toot is the stupidest word ever i'm going to continue to say tweet um anyways moving on to the last article of the day tyler your last article. Mine is about System 76's cosmic desktop environment, which, by the way, I will go ahead and say, um, if GNOME is similar to Mac OS, Pop OS is like an off-brand Mac OS. Like it is, it's very similar to Mac OS. I do have to be honest about that, because um, a lot of their like touchpad gestures. Um, are extremely similar to the, if not the exact same that Mac OS uses. Um, so like that's a thing. I, I don't think that's a selling point. I'm just pointing that out. It's, it's designed extremely nicely. And so this article talks about how the fact that it, they're going to be coming with, um, HDR support and better, um, it, well, just ironing out some of the NVIDIA problems that has plagued pretty much every Wayland based bullshit. So not something else. They're not using GTK yeah, anymore, right? They're going to move it over to iced. Is that the, is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's insane to me. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's wild. Cause it's, it's system 76, which they have, they have very talented people at system 76, but they don't have a lot of very talented. Yeah. People. So I mean, it, it's, it, it's like budgie. The Budgie desktop has tried several times to change to a different – away from GTK. They they tried, they thought about going to Qt for a little while, and then the licensing was all messed up there. And the, now they're going to the the Enlightenment – the EFL 
libraries. And um, the, the GTK guys and the GNOME guys must have really pissed off Pop OS, the System76 guys. Like they must have, there must have been a, a big fight there for them to say, "You want to run? Screw this! We're starting over. Like we're 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 gonna take everything that we've learned and make our own. And we're not even gonna make it a GTK-based desktop. We're gonna use something completely different that no one's ever heard of or used before." That is not as well developed as GTK because it, ICE does not. You know, it, it's developed. It's just it doesn't have the resources that GTK have, has because GTK is financed by the GNOME Foundation, which is you know a huge foundation that makes millions of dollars. Um, so there ha- there must have been something that went down that just like I I mean part of it well I mean I will go ahead and say that I know for a fact G, GTK with it being obviously from the Gnome guys they don't really do anything to help outside developers mm-hmm. who rely on GTK um they just kind of like tell them to you know suck it up and get with it because well, um, it's whatever the Gnome guys want yeah. like anything that team needs they get it and I know that's pissed off a lot of other developers before, but when it comes to like system 76, I genuinely do think it's one of those things where they've had one of those run-ins, like plenty of develop. I mean, if you can read up on it, like there are plenty of Mm -hmm. developers who have, you know, talked about their poor experience with GTK, but I I think most likely what it is is system 76 has the people there that are smart enough to do this and have the resources to do it. And this is just a spike move. Like it's not like it's not GTK is not working for them, but it's like, if you're going to treat us like shit, screw you. We'll we'll make our, they got, I think part of it was they got so sick of every time a new GNOME version came out, that every single one of their extensions broke like every single one. Mm -hmm. And there was no, I actually posted about this on Mastodon. It is I because I, I I you're right. I have done a complete 180 when it comes to GNOME. I'm not saying I'm going to use it, but it's not as bad as I thought it was. But there's something to be said for the fact that it, it feels like every time they come out with a new GNOME version, it breaks every single extension ever. And I mean, it, that's an over exaggeration. It doesn't really break all of them, but a lot of extensions break every time there's a new version of GNOME. And I've t- t- posted about this. It feels like they do it on purpose. It feels like they break them on purpose. Now, one of the GNOME developers actually replied to me on Mastodon and said, no, we don't do it on purpose. This is the reason why they break. And there was some technic, you know, technology, you know, technology talk about, you know, how version numbers and all this stuff has to match up and, and yada, yada, yada. Um, it, it read like a basket full of excuses to me. Um, it's just, it feel, and this is, this is the, the primary, you know, there've been many, of uh, uh, complaints that I've had about GNOME in the past from lack of customization to the fact that they always seem to pull out features and stuff like that, to the fact that they they sometimes decide to delve into politics when they really shouldn't to the, to, to the fact that they, their desktop a year and a half, maybe two years ago was absolute garbage. Well, I guess it's been longer than that. Before um, Ubuntu started using GNOME again, 
before Ubuntu basically fixed, fixed the GNOME and pushed it all upstream. Uh, GNOME was the slowest piece of garbage crap you've ever used in your damn life. It used two gigabytes of memory on average, and because their their animation speeds were so slow, it felt like you were you could watch them frame by frame. You know, <laughs> God, I remember that time. Like was, that was a fucking terrible time. It was so bad. And the thing was, like, it was it was that way for years until Ubuntu started using GNOME and said, "No, we'll fix this for you, and you can use the code." Okay. Um. So, so there have been many hits on GNOME over the years, but the thing that has been routinely consistent that you can always criticize them for is that they do not like outside influence on their product direction and that's what extensions are they don't like extensions Mm -hmm. and it's blatantly obvious that they don't like extensions they don't want those things to exist and be in harmony They, they grudgingly accept that they exist and have to exist but they don't like it and they're not going to go out of their way to support them and that's just the way it, yeah. it always just feels. Now, I don't have a lot of hard evidence for this, but I've talked to people and I've seen posts and talked to developers who have had this experience. And it's just like they do not – the GNOME guys just do not want that experience to – they don't want other people – really, they could give a rat's ass about any other people using GNOME other than Fedora. You know what I mean? Fedora uses vanilla yeah. GNOME, and that's the only way – the GNOME guys think that it should be used. Um, if you use it in your distro and do other things on top of it, like Ubuntu does, like Pop OS does, you know, then you're you you've bought it as is, and it's your responsibility to fix it. And I think that that rubs a lot of developers the wrong way, simply because they're the GNOME guys are antagonistic towards people who use GNOME in a way that they're not necessarily uh, okay with. You know, it's just I don't know. Um, you wanna you wanna be you want to be cheerful about GNOME because it is the primary Linux desktop. As sad as that freaking is to say, but it is. Um, but well, I mean, I will say I think I think GNOME has done a really good job of not 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 making mistakes, but from learning from them, and they. I won't, I won't give them too much credit. It takes them quite a long time to learn from like their errors and the things that the public doesn't really give a shit about when it comes yeah. to them, like their political opinions. No, like I, I genuinely don't want to talk to a person who really cares what Gnome has to think about the political landscape. Right? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no, but I, I think they've done a very good job of like, toning that down almost to completion like they don't really talk about that stuff anymore maybe someone can show me something that they have been well, it, doing it, ha- recently, it has been a while to my since, since the richard stallman yeah. stuff it's, they've been pretty silent on it but from time to time yeah. they'll, they'll delve I, into it yeah and i i think i think that's kind of what's made gnome a lot better over the past at, at i would say at least a year like it's gotten it's gotten really good on the GNOME side of things, but if they if they can get to a point where they really do care about about not making extensions feel like they're something that GNOME for whatever reason decided they had to be there, but they don't like, uh, 
like I, I think a big thing with with extensions is GNOME. It's not like they don't want them to be there, but they're not willing to support them at all, um, or don't go anywhere out of their way to not break them. Right. Which if they can come up with a system where they don't really have to support extensions or be there to hold them up and keep them working, but also not break them with every single release, well, that'd be great. They, there but, is a uh, like an environment variable or something that you can run that will ensure your extensions don't break. It's like one line. That's all. That's like like that. That's how they fix like because that's what they told me on on Mastodon when I when I tweeted that about GNOME purposely breaking things. Like you can fix that with this one line. I don't know if it was an environment variable line. It was something like that. And I was like, if it's just one one line, why isn't that there? <laughs> like like why, why is yeah, that? Like, like, also, why is it why the thing that truly breaks the GNOME extensions is that they're version dependent. So you, you every extension has we work with this version of gnome and when a new version of gnome comes out that version number changes so all they really need to do again not a developer so i don't know how much work this will be but real they really need to do is get rid of that requirement that gnome extensions have to be version dependent just remove the version check on it and that i mean i believe that's all that one line is doing is removing the the check on the extension and just letting it run now, obviously, they want a smooth experience. That's what they want. They want an Apple-like experience, and by removing the check uh, over whether or not that work that extension works with that version of GNOME, they have a there's a possibility that it causes instability inside of the desktop environment, and of course, the extension is not going to get blamed for that instability. It's going to get, be GNOME that gets blamed for it, and I can see that perspective it just seems like there's got to be an easier way or here's no, a but, here's a novel idea but, here's a novel idea mm -hmm. don't take out features that people like um like icons in the desktop yeah and icons in the taskbar you know those are the two extensions that most people want um maybe just make them toggleable in the settings just, just, like if you want to keep them off by default sure but make them have, an option have them like, there if if those two if icons on the desktop and icon the the Icons in the task tray were things that were default in GNOME. The vast majority of people would never use an extension. Like, period. Mm -hmm. they, like, they wouldn't. Um, maybe they want some more customization with the dock. But you want to know what? They're working on that already. Like, it's it's already a thing. You know? Um, Ubuntu, yeah. Ubuntu did it. So there's no reason why they can't build that in later. That can be a feature that comes later. Mo most people wouldn't even care. They're perfectly happy not having the control over the dock, but they want icons on the desktop, or at least the option to have them, and they want the task, the icons in the task tray, because some applications still need them. Those two, mm -hmm. you you yeah. completely, I mean, people would still want extensions, and some people would still use them, but the vast majority of people, you get those two things, they wouldn't care about extensions at all. Yeah. But to your point that, you know, like they, if they were to start going ahead and actually making it to where, like, there was no version, version uh, compatibility, like blockage and just letting them come through. If that extension breaks because it's not true, like it doesn't truly work with the new version of GNOME, um, that doesn't really matter for them. Because, like, I mean, if you think about it like this, when your extensions break on GNOME, no matter what, you blame GNOME. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter what. So the systems 
like that are put in place right now where you have to add an environment variable to like keep that from happening. Like, I don't think it does nearly as much good as they think it does. Like if you, if, if extensions are going to break period on, on an update, that's a problem. I think it's better that there's just a chance they break and stop working on the new version. Like, People are perfectly willing to see things break when there's an update. That, because that's that, that's just normal, right? Some pieces of software, when you move to a different version of Fedora or Ubuntu, whatever, stop working because they don't, you know, you know, there's a library that's missing or a library version that's, you know, different than what it needs. That stuff happens. If you've used Arch Linux at all, you know how this feels when you're using an application that just stops working after a Python update. You know, it happens. You know, people yeah. are willing to see yeah. this happen from time to time. The problem is, is that it doesn't happen from time to time on GNOME. It happens every time. Like Dash to Dock, yeah. Dash to Dock is the primary one. It's like if those two extensions I talked about before, the like the main ones, like the ones that everybody wants, Dash to Dock is like the third one that everybody wants, right? It's, that's the third most popular. Mm-hmm. It's the one that a lot of people really want. But that thing breaks every single time GNOME updates. Every single time, it's without fail. And uh, yes. That's partially the developer of the plug the extensions problem. That you know, they're they're usually pretty slow when it comes to updating that thing to get to the new you know, version. So that's part of the problem. But also, it happens every time. Like that's the thing is like it's not just every once in a while, but now it's expected. You know, it's expected behavior. Oh well, you know, if if an extension that you need you know is not going to work because of an upgrade, you're gonna not upgrade. You know, <laughs> I know a lot of people who are still on Fedora 36 and using GNOME 42 because they need a specific extension and they know that it's going to be broken in GNOME 43 for a while. So that's, I mean, that's an issue. All right. Um, we've talked about GNOME way more than I ever want to. Um, I still, I like it more than I did before. Still not a fanboy. Um, the thing is, though... Here's what GNOME really needs to do. They need to take Ubuntu's version of GNOME and use that. Ubuntu's version of GNOME is really, really good. It gives you options to to change where the dock is and and, uh, how it looks. It gives you accent colors. It gives you all these customization options through, by the way, through extensions. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I feel bad for those guys because they have to keep those things up to date. But um, yeah, Uh, the Ubuntu versions of GNOME is way, way better than Fedora's. It just is. And I mean, unless you like the pure vanilla, vanilla GNOME experience, Ubuntu's version of GNOME is better. Um, and you guys all know that I'm not an Ubuntu fan. Um, Ubuntu's not my thing. I love yeah. Fedora, um, which is ironic. I want Ubuntu's GNOME on Fedora. Give me that. <laughs> I'd use it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, they do. Canonical does do a great job of that. They They take a lot of the weak points of GNOME. Mm-hmm. For most people, not not for everybody, because there's still going to be most most of us who, you know, prefer a vanilla GNOME experience. And if you want extras, you'll add it yourself. But for a majority of people who aren't interested in tinkering around with shit, like there's just a lot more features there for them, a lot a lot more like convenience factors that are nice. And I I don't know, like I I think GNOME could benefit from that, but I do see their design like their design goals are very similar to apple's they mm-hmm. want a very clean ui they want they want something that at the very least is intuitive for most people they, probably not everybody 
because everybody's different. But for most people, it's intuitive and it's, I, I don't like saying dumbed down, but it's simple. Like there's not convoluted menus and sub menus and shit. You got to dive through like KDE settings. Yeah. For example, that's a perfect example, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, I, I think, I, I think Fedora could benefit from looking at what canonical is doing. Um, it's which is odd it, it, for me. To yeah, say. I know. I agree. I never thought I'd be saying that. And I agree with you. There's never. It's just never ever going to happen. Because I mean, yeah. the Fedora and GNOME teams are cross pollinated. A lot of them work on both projects. So vanilla GNOME is on Fedora to stay. That's just the way it's. It's just going to be working. All right. So yeah. moving on to the section we lovingly call thingies of the week. We could have called this thing any other thing, number of things like apps of the week or picks of the week or tips of the week. No, we decided to go with something unique and we're calling them thingies of the week. So Tyler, do you have a thingy of the week for us this week? I do. I did not put it in um, the show notes, but that's just because I'm a, I'm an idiot. And like, I totally forgot that that was even a thing in the show. It's been so long since we did a podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But mine is, um, it's called tinker tool and it's, it's a Mac specific app. Um, but it, the reason I'm going to put it as my thingy of the week, even though I know most likely most people watching this stream are not using a Mac or if you are using a Mac, it's with Linux loaded on it. Um, Tinker Tool is an app for um, for Macs that allows you to get a lot of the settings that Apple allows you to change, but they don't have a GUI. Like it's not in the settings app or anywhere else on the system. They're like kind of like GNOME's hidden settings. You know, like there's some settings in GNOME that don't really show up, but you can run terminal commands and it'll work. Same kind of idea. But Tinker Tool takes takes those commands and gives them a GUI, and so it's a very simple and very easy uh tool to use it's very um well organized like they have have categories on the top and each section doesn't it's not littered with different options but there's a lot of great things that you can do uh with it like one of the ones that the main reason i even ended up getting the tool was you can there's a delay like if you hide your dock and go down and go and try and pull it up and you know unhide it uh it takes like two like a little bit under two seconds or something like that for it to show up like it's a there's a very slight delay that you have to hold your mouse at the edge of the screen before your dock will come up um you can just click a button and it removes that delay um so that's like one of the main things uh, features of the app that i really do enjoy um, so yeah, on the off chance anyone is watching this and uses a Mac for work or, you know, just uses a Mac in general, check it out. It's a really great tool. Uh, the site is that, that you get it from is a little sketchy. Um, and by a little sketchy, I mean, it's some dude's personal like website. Now he's a doctor. He, his credentials seem pretty good. I checked him out. He's legit. Like he actually exists and is a real guy and everything. So, um, and He's mainly just a software engineer developer for Mac OS, but yeah, it's a great tool. I love it. Cool. All right. So mine is a feature of Vim. So, um, I participated in uh, NaNoWriMo this past month. Um, the fact that I'm just now getting to this pip a week, even though I discovered it like three weeks ago is, is entertaining, but basically what 
uh, MK Session does. So it's M K S E S S I O N, and uh, you should Google it to find how to use it. But basically, what it allows you to do is save your session in Vim. Now, this is not really all that useful if all you have is one buffer open. If you have just one buffer open and it's just like one document. You can find other easier ways of having them remember your position. But if you use splits or tabs, you can use make session to have a file saved of that session. So basically what it is, is you would open up that session file when you come back and it would remember how your documents were split. It would remember what tabs you had open, all the buffers you had open, and it just opened them all in the exact same position you left them in. So if you use Tmux, Tmux has this feature. Um, and it obviously expands it beyond Vim. Uh, but if you just are using Vim, you're not using Tmux, make session MK, or I think it's actually mark session, but it's MK session. Uh, it just allows you to save your session in Vim so that you, it remembers your splits and your tabs and your position and all that stuff. You just open that back up uh, with a specific uh, flag and it will take you right back to where you were and it is amazing so if you if you're a, a coder or a developer of some kind if you do writing of any kind uh, and you have multiple documents open at the same time this is really really cool and i used it for an entire month and i probably will never go back to not using it again because it's amazing it's really good so i can have the you know i was using it for for nano like i said and i could have my timeline and my outline on you know and splits on one side and the main uh document on the other and i always could shut my computer down and come back to where i was before so it was really really good also vim is awesome suck at emacs i'm done <laughs> <laughs> that's that's definitely where we should end the show right there yeah so that's it that, <laughs> that is perfect. a good good place to end it so uh if you um want to we record this live every friday between three o'clock p.m eastern time and around five o'clock p.m eastern time we are going to be doing two more shows this year uh we have so the next two weeks we'll have shows if you want to watch live you can do that the, at youtube.com slash linuxcast make sure you're subscribed hit the bell icon all that stuff hashtag youtuber um uh, all that stuff is, is there if you just hit subscribe and you won't miss a show which it's awesome before we go i should take a moment to thank my current patrons thanks to everybody who does support me on patreon and youtube you guys are all absolutely amazing if you want to support me on libera pay those are that's also a possibility that link will be in the video description i keep getting reminded on odyssey that i should say libera pay from time to time that link is in the video description there job done anyways thanks everybody who does support me on patreon and youtube and libera pay you guys are all amazing without you the channel just for not being anywhere near where it is right now so very very much and thanks everybody for watching we'll see you next week